I'm going to find something I really like. And now I live by the rule that I have to like what I do at least 70% of the time. I'm not going to like all of my bosses or my coworkers or every single one of my tasks or my projects, but I have to like what I do most of the time. Otherwise, it's miserable. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast dedicated to helping you reinvent your career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and truly enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have decided to step off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and do work that matters. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you understand what it takes to relaunch your own career. Today, my guest is going to share her story of being laid off not once, but twice in her career. We'll discuss how a career setback can actually be a blessing in disguise and also help you clarify your true priorities in life. Afterwards, during today's Mental Fuel, I'll address a listener's question about how long to hang on to an unsatisfying job. So first off, I just wanted to say I'm a little delayed getting this episode out the door. September tends to be one of my busiest months, and I've been doing a lot of public speaking lately, and I actually completely lost my voice last week, so thanks for your patience, and I'm back up and running now. Before we get started today, I just wanted to make a quick event announcement for those of you based in London. On November the 21st, I'm going to be speaking at the Inspiring Women in Business Conference hosted by management today, aimed at businesswomen looking to take their next step in their careers. I'm going to be giving a short talk about how to become a person of influence, where I'll be sharing a few simple tips on how to raise your professional visibility and build your reputation. Other speakers that day will include Ella Dolphin, CEO of The Stylist Group, Rebecca Tully, Managing Director of Accenture's Products Division, and Renee Elliott, CEO of Planet Organic. If you're interested in attending the conference, which will be held at the Hilton London in Canary Wharf, you can check out the full agenda and register at iwib.co.uk. All the early bird tickets are already gone, but some regular tickets still remain. Again, that's iwib.co.uk. Okay, on to today's interview, where I'm speaking with Anna Wagner, a mom of two teenagers, a wife, and a proud native Colombian, currently working as Global Segment Director at PPG, where she's responsible for driving global alignment and defining long-term strategic direction for the automotive parts segment. She's spent most of her career in the automotive and chemical industries in positions ranging from engineering to market development to marketing strategy. She has a Bachelor of Science degree in industrial engineering from Xavier University in Bogota, Colombia, and an MBA from the University of Michigan. Now, if you're a longtime listener to Career Relaunch, you probably notice I most often talk with people who have made a major role or industry shift. But in this case, I wanted to get Anna on the show because even though she's remained in broadly the same industries, she's gone through some experiences that allow her to share some unique perspectives to help demystify what it's really like to get laid off and how to bounce back from career setbacks in general. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net slash Anna spoke with me from Detroit, Michigan. Okay, good morning, Anna, and welcome to Career Relaunch. It's great to have you on the show. Hi, Joseph. Thanks for having me. 
All right. Well, I am hoping to talk through a few things with you today, including some of the career transitions you've been through and also how you've managed through some of the trade-offs you've had to make with each of your career moves. But I was hoping you could start us off by just telling me what's been keeping you busy in your career and your life the past few weeks. So I work in B2B uh, market strategy. And so I've been very busy traveling the world, actually. It's been a lot of travel and juggling with a couple of teenagers. So I work for a big company in the chemical space. And so that uh, takes a lot of my time. Okay. And I think you also just got back from Colombia. Is that right? That's right. My native Colombia was there attending uh, my high school reunion. Okay, very cool. Well, let's just start with what you're doing right now. You mentioned the work that you're doing. You're at PPG Industries. What exactly do you do there as a global segment director? And and maybe we'll start there. Then I'd like to jump all the way back in time and then then go through your career history. So as a global segment director, uh, I am in charge of a segment, which is the automotive parts and accessories functional. So it's uh, codings for automotive parts that go directly into companies that actually make parts for automotive called the tiers, the tier suppliers here in Detroit. In that role, I am responsible for the long-term strategy of the segment as well as global alignment uh, between the regions. Okay. Now, I'd like to go back in time because I also know that you started off in the automotive industry as an automotive engineer. Could you just tell us about your time when you started off as an automotive engineer working and then we can move forward from there? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I I have an undergrad in industrial engineering, and that's how I started at Ford uh, Motor Company uh, here in Detroit. I worked there for a few years, and then I was part of a spinoff from Ford. The parts division of Ford spun off as a company called Pistion. And so all in all, I was there for uh, almost eight years. And what happened at year eight? What what exactly happened that uh, resulted in you moving on from Vistion? The uh, company had been spun off as a very large company. And then in 2004, uh, it was facing decisions in terms of uh, downsizing. I happened to be eight months pregnant. And I had mentioned to my boss that I wanted to take a long maternity leave, which was something that the company offered as a benefit to take up to a year. You wouldn't come back to the same job, but you would have a job. So I had mentioned that a few weeks before, uh, but then one day they had massive layoffs. Hundreds of people got laid off on a Friday morning. I'll never forget. I was eight months pregnant sitting at my desk and somebody came, tapped me on the shoulder, took me to a conference room where HR uh, talked to me and gave me a folder and told me I had a few minutes to pack up my things. Here's a box. And they escorted me out of the building. Wow. So that that's just like, like, just like what you see in the movies, pretty much. I guess there's a couple aspects of this that I'm interested in. I guess I'm first of all interested in what it was like to get that very sudden tap on the shoulder, like that exact moment when that happened. And I'm also interested in what it was like to be eight months pregnant and getting that tap on the shoulder. (laughs) I was was gonna say it's horrible pregnant or not, but it's even more horrible when you're not expecting it. Uh, So interestingly enough, about three weeks before I had had a performance review that was outstanding and I had been told I was a high potential employee and all this. So something happened in between. I think, you know, theories after the fact uh, were kind of going around that maybe I got on the wrong list and maybe somebody was meant to really sit down with me and ask me if I wanted to take a package. But the truth of the matter is I got on a list. And uh, so it's pretty brutal. Uh, it's pretty brutal, especially when you're not expecting it. That same morning I was talking to co-workers and they're like, oh, come on, you're pregnant. You're a woman. You're Hispanic. There's no way. But <laughs> it happened. <laughs> wow. And the aspect of being pregnant, Right before, I guess you're about a month out from 
delivery. Right. Did that, I'm guessing that must have affected your psyche at that moment. And I'm wondering how that might have affected you at that very moment. Yeah, so I uh, actually almost went into labor that day. That day was very, very difficult. Uh, I almost went into labor that day. Thankfully, I didn't. So the baby wasn't born too early. Uh, but it was very upsetting. It was very upsetting, but especially at the beginning. But then within a few days, I said, okay, this, this is a good opportunity. I was looking to spend a year home anyway. And here it is. I got a severance check. I'll take this time to, to think things through and just actually be with my baby. So it, it ended up working out in the end. Okay. And how was maternity leave for you? It was really nice, but at the same time, I was really, and this was, you know, I was in my early 30s, and I was really afraid of missing out on, on what was happening in the workplace and, and missing out on skills maybe I wasn't gaining on connections and trying to get back into the workforce later. Yeah, I know that. Um, I mean, my wife has been through maternity leave, and, and even I took a little bit of a paternity leave. And uh, on the one hand, I know it's really nice to spend some time with your newborn baby. And at the same time, as a professional, it's hard not to think about time passing professionally. And I guess in your case, you had not yet had a job that you knew you were going to go back to. How did you think through getting back into the workforce, when to go back, how to reenter so I did give myself six months. I said, I'm going to give myself six months to really enjoy the baby and enjoy motherhood and adjust to the baby. This was our first baby. I have two now. Uh, so I, t- I gave myself the first six months and I thought that was a smart thing. The nice thing about being laid off when you're part of one of these massive layoffs and packages, at least at the time, is I got a, a relocation package with a relocation company. So I was able after six months to go in to this relocation company and go through their training. And the training starts by really understanding yourself, what you like to do, what your capabilities are, and what the right matches are. So I went through that, which was really, really helpful. And I started you know, searching for the right thing. What did you end up uncovering as the next chapter in your career? As traumatized as I was by the corporate world, I, I found out that I really liked what I was doing in terms of market strategy. I re- wanted to keep on the same line of business. I think my attitude really changed, though, and how I was viewing my job really, really changed. While before, I defined myself by my title and the company I worked for. When I entered Ford, I thought for sure I was going to retire from there. So I really adjusted that view. And I said, okay, I'm I'm going to find something I really like. And now I live by the rule that I have to like what I do at least 70% of the time. Uh (laughs) I'm not going to like all of my bosses or my coworkers or every single one of my tasks or my projects, but I have to like what I do most of the time. Otherwise, it's miserable. And so then I think from our conversation before, you ended up moving into the chemicals industry. Is that correct? Yeah. So I was in the chemical industry for about four years. And so you think you go through this layoff thing once and and that's great experience and you learn. Well, (laughs) seven years later, I got laid off again. Okay. And how did that one happen, Anna? So this one was a little bit more expected. This was January of 2009 in Detroit. So if you and, and the listeners know, this was a very tough time in the US and especially tougher for the auto industry in Detroit. So that one was a little bit more expected. The company decided to shut down a branch and close down operations in, in a few areas. And so they laid off a, a lot of people at the same time in one day also. And 
Uh, yeah, I ended up losing my job again. I couldn't believe it. And so at this time, I took it a little bit easier. I said, oh, oh well, let's try to find the next thing. And luckily for me, within a few weeks, I had a job with, with a customer. So people find out that you're available. And uh, thanks to networking, I ended up finding something. But having said that, it was something. <laughs> it wasn't the perfect job. It was a job that I needed to, to make a living, but it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. Did you find that uh, going through the layoff, did that affect your job prospects at all? In this case, it sounds like you made a smooth transition. Did it ever come up? Do you feel like it ended up being a baggage on your resume? And the reason why I ask is I know that sometimes people listening to this show have gone through situations where they've been laid off or they've been fired. And I'm just wondering, sometimes people have a concern about how that plays out in the long run. Has this had an impact in any way on your career in a material fashion beyond obviously the disruption? Sure, the beyond the disruption and the pain that it is to have to go look for another job. Uh, but no, not really. And I really was afraid of that, especially the first time it happened, because you're going to get the question of the gap on your resume and what happened and why did you leave this company? The second time I was afraid that would happen, right? What did you leave? all these companies. Why do, you, why do you keep moving? But in reality, no, I think everybody knows what was happening in the economy during those years. And, uh, and it was a very normal thing, especially here in Detroit. So not at all. It was viewed more of a, okay, it's, you were working for a big corporation and it happens. I'd like to shift gears here a little bit, Anna, and this show is all about career change. And we've talked about two situations here where it wasn't your choice to necessarily move on from your job. I know later on in your career, you actually did make some choices and uh, the choices that you felt were allowing you to prioritize the aspects of your life that were important to you. Can you explain the next chapter of your career when you were at, uh, I believe it was Guardian Industries? After uh, getting laid off the second time, you basically find you get what you get. And it was 2009, tough year, uh, 2010, also very tough. And so I stayed where I was, but I realized it wasn't the right thing for me. It wasn't the right match for my, my values, what I wanted to do. And at the time, thanks to the, the experiences that I had had before, especially being let go when I was pregnant, my priorities were very clear. My family was first. I was doing a lot of traveling all over the world. I uh, was in an environment where there was no working from home. Office was about an hour from where I lived. And so it just, it just took a toll on, on family life and stress. So I decided to look for opportunities. And I was being very, very careful about uh, the right corporate culture. And so I decided to take a step down. I took a step down in title. I had been a director at Guardian Industries. And I went to Dow Chemical as a manager. I also took a step down in pay, a little bit of a 10, 10, 15% pay cut to go there. It was a very conscious decision and I'm glad I did it. What were you trying to remove from your professional life and what were you trying to add to your professional life? So I was looking for an environment that had a better work-life balance culture to begin with and more growth prospects professionally and a place where you could move to uh, maybe different industries within the same company, serve different industries within the same company where I could have more opportunities to move and to learn. What were your main concerns about taking a pay cut? Well, clearly... Uh, Taking the pay cut takes a toll and, you know, maybe we won't take this vacation or not. But one of the things that goes into the mix is that we are a dual career family. And so my husband uh, had and had at the time and still has a full-time job. So we were on a dual income, which was, it was a little bit easier to make the decision that way. And I don't take that for granted. Had I be, been a, a single mom, the decision would have been probably very different. And do you feel that 
pay cut at all on a day-to-day basis? Do you feel like it has a material impact on your life? Not as much as you think. Uh, And it really was for a short time. I knew what I was doing. I knew that the prospects at the other place were better. So it might have been a year or two. But really, in the big scheme of things, not a huge impact. No. The other thing I was hoping we could talk about before we wrap up here is just some of the things that you've learned along the way of your career change. And I, I would like to spend a little bit of time with this because I know we've gone through some quite major changes in your career quite quickly. And I, I'm just curious about some of the things that you may have learned along the way. Sure. Was there anything that especially surprised you about being laid off? Yeah. How really being laid off or even taking a risk, if that's what you decide to do on your own, is really not as hurtful in the long run especially if you have a good background, good experience that you can count on and kind of launch off of that. That was surprising. It really wasn't, it really didn't hurt me in the long run. And in fact, it's possible that if I hadn't been let go the first time when I was pregnant, I probably would still be there. And maybe my career trajectory would have been maybe not as exciting as it has been. The other thing you alluded to was the shift in your perspective on the, I guess what I'm going to describe as the the corporate world and your attachment to your identity as part of someone who's within that corporate world. How have your views on the corporate world, broadly speaking, evolved over time? So I know for a fact that they keep going without you, that you're not indispensable. You're just one person. I've also learned it's, it's business. It is not somebody being evil. It's just the the way it is. And so I see myself now more as a person. I am Anna. I am a mom. I am a a career person. I'm an engineer. I have an MBA. I do all these things. So I see myself more as Anna Inc. And right now I'm contracted myself to one company and maybe next year I'll be somewhere else. So I don't define myself by the corporation or by the title. And I also learned to put priorities first. And not that I didn't put my family first before, but even more so now, I will not miss a dance recital and I will not miss a baseball game if I at all can help it. Yeah, that's really, that's a really healthy way of looking at the balance between the two. I know uh, one of the things that people struggle with sometimes is just having so much of their identity wrapped up in their job title and their association with their company or their organization. Do you have any thoughts on how you have been able to create some healthy separation between the two? Because just speaking from personal experience, sometimes it's a little bit hard to separate yourself from the company or the organization that you work for. Yeah, it definitely is. I try to keep work where work is. Now, I think like you, I also work from home quite a bit uh, and I do a lot of travel. So I have a space at my house that's my office for work that has a door and it's closed. And when my children get home from, from school, like they see that door closed, especially if I have a headset on my on my head, they know I'm working. And uh, so they have learned that since they were little. And and so I just keep that very separate. And when I'm done, I try to turn off the computer and walk away from the office. And now I'm home. And I try not to go back unless, you know, I do a lot of evening uh, conference calls with with Asia. And so in that case, I'll, I'll go back. But I try not to bring my computer into the kitchen and keep doing emails while I make dinner, for example. I don't do that. I see. So you've actually created a physical separation yeah. that, okay, that, that's, I'll, have to, I'll have to keep that in mind myself. I, I'm kind of bad about uh, dabbling between the two sometimes. And so, okay. Yeah. I'm lucky I don't live in a big city where, you know, I, I do have 
maybe more space than in a big city <laughs> where I can do that. But yeah, physical separation really does help. What about uh, something that you wish you had known that you now know about navigating career transitions? The main thing for me is that it is okay to take a step back to then take three forward, that it's okay to take a risk or to pause or to make a change, because I was very afraid of doing that before. And finally, what about one thing you've learned about yourself when it comes to the balance or blend between family and work? Probably the main thing is that, that thankfully, I, I, I do believe I have my priorities straight and it has paid off. And so, uh, for example, uh, you know, if, if I ever feel like oh, I should be working through the weekend to get this done, but instead I make myself maybe not work as many hours over the weekend to get that done. And in the end, I get it done the next week. So really understanding that you can manage time. And I do a lot of that multitasking in, in general, but also manage a lot of projects at the same time. And it's okay to set time aside to focus on work and then set time aside to focus on your family. And so that, that I've learned quite a bit throughout the years. The last thing I was hoping to talk with you about was something we touched on at the very beginning of our chat, which was going back to your reunion down in Bogota. I always find it interesting, the psychology of going to a reunion where you haven't seen people for a long time. And I, like, I don't know about you, but when I go to a reunion, it's, it's really hard not to think about how other people will view you and where you are in your life. What mattered and what didn't matter when it came to sharing details about your career and your life with your former classmates? So it's funny that you mentioned that because it used to happen to me, even going back home to Colombia and meeting friends I hadn't seen for a while, and you kind of get a little bit nervous about that whole thing. And this time I just went completely as I am. It is who I am. Not that I was faking it before, but I just didn't care about perceptions. Uh, and it is who I am. Now, interestingly enough, it could be because it was a 30 high school reunion, 30 years. And so maybe we're 30 years more mature, but the topic almost didn't come up as much. We were more asking about each other's families and each other's happiness and the children. And, uh, and that was really nice. That was really refreshing. And, and it could be because we're you know 30 years older now and much more mature than 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, that's a good point. I went to my 20-year high school reunion a while back. This was actually a, a few years ago. And then I remember coming out of it that I enjoyed the 20-year a lot more than the 10-year. I just didn't feel like people were comparing as much during, I during agree. that one for, for whatever reason. That was the case for me, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Anna, thank you so much for telling us more about your career transitions. I was wondering if you'd be willing to just tell people where they can go if they want to learn more about you or to connect with you or learn more about your story. Sure. Probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is through LinkedIn. Uh, and my profile is Anna underscore C underscore Wagner. All right. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for telling us more about your transitions and how you managed those layoffs and also how you took steps to honor the priorities in your life. So I appreciate you sharing your story today and just want to wish you the best of luck with the ongoing pursuits in your life and your career. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I hope you got some useful perspectives from Anna about bouncing back from career setbacks and not letting the title you have or company you work for completely define who you are. 
Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to answer a listener's question about what to do if you don't like your job and aren't sure just how long you should stick things out. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I wanted to thank Brand Yourself for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. Brand Yourself offers simple tools and services to help control what people find when they Google you. To clean up, protect, and improve how you look online, visit brandyourself.com and use promo code RELAUNCH to get 50% off a premium membership. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. For today's Mental Fuel, I wanted to field this question from a listener named Ray, who wrote, I live and work in Japan, and in April started my first full-time job as a journalist for a respected news agency. I've always liked to write, so I thought this job would be a great fit, but the reality of my work is so different from what I expected. I had to move from my hometown near Tokyo to a faraway small city. I have irregular and long work hours. I'm practically on call 24-7. I don't have any social life, and it's taking a toll on my mental and physical health. Since June, I've begun thinking I screwed up by taking this job. I'm now talking to a real estate startup I used to intern for, and they're open to the idea of me returning as a full-time employee. It's all I want, a normal nine-to-five job in the city I'm familiar with, surrounded once again with friends and family. But my parents disagree. They think it's a wasted opportunity for me to quit my renowned company for a startup they think is unstable. They think I should endure it for at least three years because by then I'll be transferred to a different location. While I don't want to disappoint them by quitting my current job, at the same time, I don't want to continue beating myself up and feeling miserable. I know I'm an adult and should make decisions for myself. And in the end, I truly value the stability of my own health rather than my bank account. This is my situation right now. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Okay, so Ray, thanks so much for sharing your situation with me and for sharing a couple issues that I think a lot of people struggle with when it comes to having a job you don't like. First, how long you should stick things out. And second, how to deal with what others may think, in this case, your parents. So I'll just start by saying that the realities of work always seem to be a bit different from what we expect. And when this happens, there's always a tough balance between trusting your initial impressions of a workplace and making sure you've spent enough time there to get a complete picture of what it's like. I don't think two months is an enormous amount of time, but at the same time, as someone who's landed in the wrong place a couple times myself in my own career, I also know it doesn't take that long to tell if the fit just isn't there or if you've landed somewhere completely misaligned with your values or desired lifestyle. I also know how intense Tokyo can be, having cross paths with quite a few people who live and work there, and I can imagine the toll it's taking on your body to maintain such an intense schedule. So let's talk about the first point. This tension between finishing what you started and cutting your losses to move on to something else. It's really hard to know when to cut the cord, and it's only something that you can decide. My suggestion to you is to consider how long you can reasonably tolerate doing work you just don't truly care about. And you could consider three more specific questions. First, how long can I tolerate maintaining this lifestyle? Second, what will it cost me to hold on until I reach that potential pivot to another city? And third, is that cost 
worth it. Because while changing locations could address your issue, there will certainly be some cost to getting there and also no guarantees you'll be transferred closer to Tokyo. So you have to think about whether even the best case scenario here will be worth whatever it takes to make that a reality. Now, on the second point related to your parents, I actually think that what our parents think of us or have thought of us does matter, even as grown adults. This is something I hear time and time again from clients, and in certain cultures, you probably feel this more. Some cultures, including some Asian ones, and I'm, of course, broadly generalizing here as someone who's Asian myself, some cultures tend to create more familial or parental pressure. So I've found, especially earlier on in your career, that completely disregarding your parents' views is easier said than done. I still remember calling up my parents to tell them I left medical school, which was one of the toughest phone calls I've ever had to make to them because I knew they would be really disappointed. But now looking back on it, I'm really glad that didn't stop me from making a decision to shift to a career in business that ultimately made me happier and in turn allowed them to see how much happier I could be. So I completely get it. It's tough to break news to your parents you think will upset them. At the same time, you are the one who has to live with your choices and look yourself in the mirror every single day. So I'd encourage you to try your best to ground your decisions in what you want and consider what you feel would generate excitement or positivity, which are both important parts of having a fulfilling career. This brings me to a quote from the writer Robert Tu. If you're going to trust one person, let it be yourself. So my challenge to you, Ray, or anyone listening to this who may be stacking up the opinions others have of your career against your own desires is to try to take a step that honors who you are and how you want your life to look. I don't think it's easy to completely disregard what others think of you, but I'm just encouraging you to try to take one step that will move you closer to what you want, even if it creates some temporary upheaval or turbulence in your life with the people around you. Because sometimes you have to prioritize your own happiness, which will hopefully allow the people in your life to eventually feel happier for you too. If you want to ask me a question about your own career situation, I'd welcome you leaving me a voicemail at careerrelaunch.net slash 65, where you can also find a summary of all the key concepts from today's conversation with Anna. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash 65. You can also just email me at joseph at careerrelaunch.net with your question or any thoughts you want to share with me about the show. In our next episode of Career Relaunch, we're heading all the way over to the Middle East, where I'll be speaking with a former journalist turned Wall Street analyst turned rabbi who's co-founded a Jewish Heritage Institute in Jerusalem. We're going to talk about what he's learned about careers, having worked with many people who passed through his institute and talk with him about their careers. And we'll also discuss what compelled him to leave New York City to move himself and his family across the world. Thanks so much for listening to Career Relaunch and a very special thanks again to Anna Wagner for sharing her story with us from Detroit, Michigan. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington. Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll see you next time.